0: You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plain, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. My message this morning is titled, Finding Unity in a Divided World. And I struggled with this message because I knew that at any one instance, I could say something that could cause division. And it seems that our world is becoming more and more divided. Um, we live in a very diverse nation, but diversity doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be divided, that we can't be united. We have diverse ethnicities and cultural backgrounds. I work at a place where I bet there's 40 different nations represented with the people that I work with. We have diverse economic situations, some people are struggling, um, living paycheck to paycheck or even worse, some have wealth that they don't know what to do with and of course we have diverse political opinions and they have become more and more diverse and divisive in the last few years in my lifetime I've never seen our nation so divided. And I thought about this. Well, what is it that's dividing our nation? Why do we have to be there? Why does it appear that we are so divided? And one of the things that I see is we've adopted something called identity politics. And it is focusing on one group's desires and needs and sometimes at the expense of another group's needs. Race Racial discrimination has raised its head again, um, putting oneself in their own mind anyway as being better or more important than somebody else because of the color of their skin or the country that they came from is dividing our nation. Uh, How many Vikings fans do we have in here? Okay. Everybody else is separate from the Vikings fans. I, I know we have some Packer fans here, probably some Bears fans and some other things. Uh, I'm, I have chosen not to watch football because of a divisive thing that is happening on the football field, and it because, partly because of my veteran status, I, I, I cannot watch that. So what is causing this? And what we find is that what causes division is a selfishness and a self-focus. So think about this. Unity happens when there's a greater cause that's outside of ourselves that we can come together for. Division happens when we start to focus on me and my desires only. Paul recognizes this, and and he says this in, in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit But in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He, too, recognized that our selfishness can divide us. And to prevent this, we need to consider the interests of others. We need to look for that greater cause, that greater thing to unite around. Selfishness and self-focus drives us apart But our diverse backgrounds and gifts when focused on a greater mission can help us not only unite but become stronger, especially in the church when we unite with our, taking our gifts and our abilities and our diversity and using that to, for a common cause, a common mission, the great commission, we become greater and stronger than we would be if we just focused on ourselves. I've chosen a passage from Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses 1 through uh, 16, and it says this, "Therefore Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why scriptures say, when he descended to the heights, he led led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people, Notice that he says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church The body of Christ, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So as you look at this passage, or at least as I looked at it, I see there's three keys to develop, developing unity in our divided world. One, we must recognize that we are not the one, Okay. I love Chris's I am second uh, thing on the back. We are not the one. We must focus on the oneness of God and his plan. And third, we must serve the one by serving others. The so what in this is found in the final verses in which we see how we individually and body of believers can grow as we unite together with a common purpose. And I I got a bumper sticker and... uh, A little bit of a nerd math thing, but one plus one equals one. So um, one, when we focus on the one God and we pour our giftedness into his one mission, we will be one with one another. So one plus one equals one. I did well in math, so I, that's not a failed equation. We must recognize that we are not the one. Paul begins his passage this way. He says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. Notice the focus is away from ourselves. We're to be humble. We're to to let other people's faults go. We are to focus on being united in spirit and in peace, binding together. Um, How many people here know somebody that they have to be patient with? Okay? That's what God is calling us to do. Be patient with them. Overlook their faults. Jesus did this for us. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God proves his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was being stupid, Jesus died for me, okay? He didn't wait till I was perfect to come to him and say, okay, now we can be united. Um, Now I can be patient with you because you're doing the right thing. No, he was patient with me before. Jesus overlooked our shortcomings, our failings when he died for our sins. He offers us eternal life in spite of how we hurt and sinned against him. So as we look at this passage, our actions that we need to do is, one, we need to be quick to forgive. Somebody's going to hurt you. They may hurt you today. We need to be quick to forgive. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others, okay? You know, I'm going to... Go off here. Vikings fans and Packers fans are, um, they're directly opposed to one another. But you realize if there wasn't a Packers and there wasn't a Vikings, the NFL wouldn't exist. They need to come together to play a game to entertain us. If there was only Vikings, watching football would be boring. Every play is a touchdown, okay? We can't do that. We, we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. So I'm not any better than the next person. My faults are different than your faults. So when I overlook your faults, please overlook mine, okay? Um, and we need to love at all times. And when we think about love, love is seeking the highest good for the person that we're loving. It's not always doing what they, we think that they want. It's doing the things that are best for them. That's loving them. Which means sometimes we have to do hard things. We have to say no. Or we have to tell them that that is not correct. But that's part of this thing. is We're not focused on ourselves. We're trying to bring them up to their best good. That will help promote unity. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 7 and everybody who's married heard this at their wedding probably. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, it is not arrogant, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not irritable, and it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When we become self-focused, we are easily offended, and we tend to blame others or strike out at them. And that brings neither peace nor unity, which Paul is asking us to have in these verses that we just looked at. Romans fifteen five through 7 says this, Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. So we need to lift others up. We need to not be the one. We need to let others be the one, and we need to let God be the one. And we must recognize that this life, our purpose, in this life, our purpose is not about us. We are not the one. He is the one. We are called to glorify the one in unity. Now, secondly, we need to focus on the oneness of God and his plan. And the passage continues, For there is one body, one spirit, Just as you've been called the one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. We are not the one; God is the one, and oneness and unity are only found in Him. So, I want to find unity. So, if we want to find unity, we must focus on the source of all unity. So, one body, the Church of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about River Rock. I'm talking about the church universal. All believers together, the church of Jesus Christ. The church is God's appointed instrument to take his love to the world. He's not asking anybody else except us to take his word to everybody in the world. It's the church's job. One spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, the third person of the Trinity. The gift given to believers who who lives in us and gives us power to be his witnesses to the world. So the one body has this one purpose to take the message to the world and we've been given one spirit who empowers us to do that. It says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are empowered by the one to do his one mission. One Lord, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the second person of the Trinity, to whom all authority has been given. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Matthew 28, Jesus proclaims, he says, Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. There is no one else who has greater authority than Jesus Christ. So if we want to look to the one authority, that's the one to look to. If we want to obey the one authority, that's the one to obey. If we want to be like the one authority, that's the one who we should be mimicking. One faith, faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only way to the Father. John fourteen six. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One way. And the one way is the one God the one true God, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, 3, and 4 says, For I have passed on to you, as most important, what I also received. This is Paul, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the gospel message. This is the one message. This is the one way to have faith in Jesus Christ, to trust in his death as a payment for our sins, to believe that he was resurrected, that he's coming again, and someday we will live with him for eternity. One baptism. Believer's baptism, in which we publicly proclaim that we have placed our faith in Christ and identify with him in his death and resurrection, and with his church. Romans 6, 3-5 says this, or, or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be, unite, be in the likeness of his resurrection. So there's only one baptism. Now, I was baptized as a baby. I had no decision in that. Um, and I think that was probably by sprinkling because of the church that I went to. And, and so somebody sprinkled water. I didn't make, it, didn't make any proclamation there. I, I probably cried of anything. Um, the, the believer's baptism is where we come and, and we're immersed and we give testimony that we have decided to follow Jesus, that he is my Savior. I'm going to follow him, identify with him. And some places in the world... That will cause you to be ostracized, as I shared this morning in Guinea, that people are disowned when they get baptized. There's one baptism. One God and Father of all, the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. The passage says that he is over all, in all, and living through all. Now, this part of the passage begins with the word for. So that means there's a reason, this is why. So Paul is clearly saying the reason we don't focus on ourselves is because there is one who is over and above us and deserves our attention. So we we humble ourselves, we, we unite in peace, we unite together because there's a God who is one and he deserves our focus. We need a single point of focus if we're going to live in unity and that focus needs to be God. Unity requires a single focus, but unity is not uniformity. Okay? So it's not all of us being exactly the same. Christians and Christ followers are not supposed to be some sort of mass produced, stamped out automatons. You know, take the big cookie cutter, boom, 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 boom. they all look like Rudolph the reindeer, you know, throw them in the oven. No, that's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be different. God created each one of us uniquely. But when we come into a relationship with Jesus, he needs to sit on the throne. And each of us have to let him be the focus of our lives, of our priorities. And when we do that, we will be united. When I counsel people about marriage, there's an illustration of a triangle. And you have the husband and wife at the base of the triangle. And you have Jesus at the top. And as each grows closer to, the, to God, you know what? they grow closer together. And that's really the way this is supposed to work. All of us working to grow closer to God, focused on Him, and we will grow closer together. We will grow in unity. When my worship team gets up here and plays, we have a single focus. So um, if we don't all focus on the same song and the same measure at the same time, wouldn't that sound wonderful? No, it would be terrible. We wouldn't, nobody would be able to understand it. No one would be, be able to join us and sing with us because there would be chaos. It would be ridiculous. Sometimes it starts that way if I'm off track, but um, we're supposed to be on the same sheet. Uh, there needs to be a unifying part of that. And, and each person is playing a different part or singing a different part but it comes together in unity, and that's what makes it beautiful. When we find ourselves divided, one of the questions we need to ask is, where is my focus? What am I focusing on today? If I start to find myself drifting away, especially in the church, I need to ask myself, did I lose sight of God, and am I serving myself instead of him? So how do we keep our focus on the one? Well, we have to make him a priority. We have to make his word a priority, and we have to make his mission a priority. Now, I want to show you this banner over here. If you look at the bottom, it says, live life well. River Rock Church, live life well. Well, the well has a meaning. This is something that we can rally around as a church. W, how will we worship God today? W is for worship. Worship is not just a Sunday activity, though. Worship is how we live. Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. E, for encouraging. How will I encourage today? How will I share Jesus or his word with others today? And, and, and uh, Colossians 3.16, just before the verse I just read, It says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. You have to have the word of God living in you to do this. And we need to start getting into God's word so that we can encourage others. Learning. We need to be growing in our knowledge of God and in his word. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9 and 10. We need to be learning. Loving, L, we need to love one another. It is the commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples before he left this world, and he says this, I give you a new commandment, love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When we love like this, the world will know that we are his, that we are united with Jesus Christ, that we are focused on him, We must focus on the oneness of God and his plan. But then we must direct our diverse abilities to serve him by serving others. We must serve the one by serving others. Again, back in our passage, however, he has given each one of us a gift, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, skip down to verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord's measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now I cut out verses 8 through 10, and and I want you to understand what those are. So when it talks about um, he took captives and gave gifts, that is referring to a passage in Psalm 68 in which it was talking about a conquering king would frequently, when he would conquer a, a people, he would take those people away and he would give gifts to his own people. Now what Paul is alluding to, and it comes in more in verses 9 and 10, is that Jesus has conquered his enemies, and Paul is saying, I am one of those enemies, and that Jesus has done it differently. He's not given gifts to the, the, his people, he's given them to his enemies, me. And when it talks about, you know, and the fullness of Christ will be experienced through through the whole universe. That's what Paul is saying. But we have been given different gifts with a purpose. This passage doesn't list all the gifts, but the principle would apply to any talent, any ability, any spiritual gift that is given. They are not for us. They are for serving Jesus' people and serving others, serving his church. Pastor Chris and I have the gifts of teaching and pastoring. So the gift of teaching is to take the word and give it to you. The gift of pastoring is to care for people. And that's the pastor is the shepherd. He guides and to, and to care. We are called to teach and to equip the church. Now, a, I would be a pastor whether you called me pastor or not because God has made me a pastor. It wouldn't matter if I was just sitting out there. I would still be a pastor because I, God is calling me to, to to care for people, and I do that a lot through my small groups. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, you'll find that all of us are, are uh, the body of Christ. A common theme for Paul to describe how all our diverse abilities and gifts are supposed to be employed in, as a single unit. Uh, i said it before that if you have a body that's detached and separated, what you have is a crime scene, okay? That we need to be a single unit working together, and that's what uh, we're called to do. For those of you who are motorheads, I want you to think about this in this way. Um, if I have an engine, an engine has hundreds of different parts. If you've got pistons, you've got ringings, you've got bearings, you've got crankshafts, you've got uh, oh, timing belts, you've got valve trains and, and cams on, for the valves. If you take any one of those parts out, that motor does not run. And, and if you're not... Not a Motorhead. I want you to try this. Well, actually, I wouldn't recommend it, but you can try it if you want. Before you leave to hit today, take one spark plug out of your engine and drive home. It will get you home, but it won't be the drive that you expected. For one thing, it's going to be noisy because I've shot a spark plug out of my engine, and you hear the that explosion that's supposed to be happening with the piston cylinder uh, underneath the hood. We need to work together. Everybody's gift needs to be employed in the church so that we can be built up, so that we can become stronger. We need to discover and use our gifts. Um, Again, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 have a more complete list of gifts. Um, One of the things you can do is just go and read those and see if any one of those kind of click with you. You know, that's kind of what I like to do. I I want to try that. Uh, That's one of the ways that you can begin to to try and fit in your gift. Uh, Where does that fit in the body? Try to figure that out. Um, If it's teaching, if you find that your gift is teaching, talk to Becky. Uh, She could always use more people in in her children's ministry. Or you can talk to me. I would love to train some more people up to lead small groups. If it's serving, uh, the setup team would love to have some people. I'm sure they would not turn you down. If it's intercession... Pray. And there are more gifts. There's many, many more gifts. And if you're not sure what one it is, even on our, we have a great tool called rightnowmedia.org. And there is a study by a, a pastor named Chip Ingram. It's called Your Divine Design. And, and if you want to go and try to figure that out, it's about seven sessions. Um, you can download the, uh, the participant's guide. Watch the videos. They're about 30 minutes long. And it'll be a way for you to to discover your gift and maybe uh, decide how you need to plug in. When we are all serving the one, Jesus, by serving one another, we as individuals and as a church will reap the promises found in this passage. And I'm going to go down right at the end of the passage that says, This will continue until all come to such unity and faith in the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be mature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. It makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So if we do this, we focus on the one and employ our gifts for the ones to, to, to in, the, in, the, in our God's plan, we will grow in Christian maturity, each one of us as individuals. Our lives will begin to reflect the fullness of Christ. You see that in verse 13. We won't get thrown off our track or confused by the lies that Satan uses. That's found in verse 14. We will speak the truth in love, becoming more like Christ. Verse 15, we will find our place in the body and Jesus will be able to use us to complete the work he has prepared for us and we will grow both individually as a church being filled with his love. The path and the promises of unity are found in focusing on and serving the one true God, Jesus Christ. In what ways will we work together in doing this? I can't wait to see what God can do with this church if we will become united in using all of our gifts to further his kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. And Lord, I thank you that you are a God of unity who wants to bring us together, Lord, to fulfill your plan. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not about me, but it's about you. And I pray that everything that we do today and for the rest of our lives, Lord, would be about you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.